BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Large retail and e-commerce companies have made it easy for consumers to buy just about anything and everything online. But there's a new company in Chicago that is helping small businesses compete with the big guys so they can offer the same flexibility and speed of receiving their purchases. La La Move is an app-based, same-day courier service that helps with delivery for small businesses. The goal at La La Move is simple. Help local Chicago small businesses by providing affordable delivery for their customers. La La Move merges the rideshare model with courier services to deliver anything from flowers to furniture and everything in between. Right now, La La Move is offering free delivery for one month. Visit lalamove.com. That's lalamove.com to learn more. Hey, everybody. How's it going? We're live. Sorry for the delay, everybody. I was setting up our brand new logo. Where wait. is it? It's on the live stream chat. Oh, oh wait a way to reveal that you don't <laughs> follow the live stream chat at all. Way to reveal that one. Hold on. I think everybody knew that, man. I still haven't figured out how to like follow that. Like when we do the Zoom call, we you know D, like everybody's reading the they're texting things. I'm like, how are they doing that? I have a Zoom call question for you, D. As oh, yes, for yes, year, yes. You know? So, okay, help me out of here. So, like, when when you're on a Zoom call, all of a sudden you, you see yourself? Yeah. How, how does that happen? Is it is it activated by somebody in charge who pushes a button? Or just by talking, does it activate it? This is my coworker, guys. <laughs> Our- just one of the great mysteries of life. I've often wondered about this. How does this Zoom call stuff work? Because Google Meet, you just see everybody, right? See, that's that's the difference, Dave. A little technological stuff, all right? You don't know. Shout out to Joan on the live stream chat. She says, I love the new logo. Why a question mark, Joan? Do you not? Oh, what's going on here? Making us insecure about the new logo. Uh... I like the new logo. I really like it. The four stars. Yeah, it's one with the Chicago stars. You're on there laughing about something. Probably something stupid that I said. Or something stupid I said. Yeah, that's true. Well, at least you know how Zoom works. (laughs) Although I noticed you kind of ducked and dodged that one. Not really quite sure which one. Is it activated by someone who goes? I mean, honestly, it doesn't even deserve an answer. That's just so silly. Trying not to embarrass us here. Our job is to be on the internet. These questions are okay. Your Pinjarovsky show for Tuesday, February 9th. It's just moments away. But before we do this, let's thank our sponsors. Sponsors like SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor sponsors, as well as the Chicago Reader. Go subscribe to the Chicago Reader. They're the ones who put this nice little logo together for us, all right? So go check out Chicago Reader. Uh, let them know you appreciate the Ben Jarofsky Show, if you appreciate the Ben Jarofsky Show. Uh, subscribe, check out Ben's column, so much more. Maya Duke Masavo, what to do, where to go in the city of Chicago. Boy, I love the Chicago Reader. All right, you have a song of the day? Comes from Frank, as always. And as always, the song is ancient. Um, <laughs> Jefferson Airplane, Somebody to Love. Don't you let somebody love? Wow, wow. As you recall, a serious man in the Coen Brothers movie played a pivotal role. Don't you let it love? For 10 trivia points, mm-hmm. D, who's the, who's the lead singer for Jefferson Airplane? Uh, George Jefferson. Well, how'd you know that? <laughs> oh, my God. They had a second hit. Moving on up, moving on up to the east side. <laughs> <laughs> The Ben Jarofsky uh, Show starts boy. now. <laughs> it is Tuesday, February 9th. And yeah, still live from my apartment and his attic. Get used to it. This is the Ben Jarofsky Show.
today on the program, the long-awaited return of SDG, Stacy Davis, Gates. <laughs> What's so funny? It's SDG. <laughs> and now your host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Karen Lewis Tuesday, and here's why. Well, on a Tuesday, I usually start things off by saying, great weekend, and I tell you what I did. In this case, I watched the BG's documentary, excellent flick, urge everyone to watch it. And I spent uh, almost the entire weekend reading The Great Alone, an epic 600-page or so novel about a dysfunctional family in Alaska. But I'll skip going into any more details about that and get to the heart of the matter. Karen Lewis died this weekend, the great Karen Lewis, president of the Chicago Teachers Union, at age 67. I can't say I'm surprised. She's been in bad health, we all know, for several years. But man, I've been mourning. Mourning, grieving, crying. Yeah, it's been really rough on me. Karen Lewis was a great leader and a great friend, and it's hard to lose two in one blow. Let me talk about the friendship part first. She was one of my phone talking pals, right up there, like with Monroe Anderson. Uh, there was a time in the O's when I talked to Karen Lewis nearly once a week. And folks, uh, I wish you could have heard those. I wish they could have taped those phone conversations because she was funny as hell. She was wisecracking. She was trash talking. She was one of the great trash talkers of all time. And usually she was talking trash at me. <laughs> She cussed like a sailor. I can't even quote back to you some of the things she told me because even on this podcast, I'd be embarrassed to say them, but she didn't care. She had me cracking up. We talked about pretty much everything you could think of, race, gender, politics, religion, politicians, comedy. She was really into comedy. Celebrity gossip, movies. She loved movies, music, tennis, white people. We love talking about white people. I always told her, Karen, I know more about white people than anyone else alive, having lived among them my entire life. And she would say, beat that, Ben. Nobody knows white people like a black person does. One time we talked about writing a book together for a while. I was dutifully interviewing her about her life, taking notes, and then she got sick, and we never got back to it. She came on the old radio show that Dennis and I used to do. She was our first guest on our first show, and something weird happened with the phones right off the bat. And this is my rookie debut, and I'm like, Huh, Karen Lewis is with us. And she's like, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. And I would say uh, that later became a staple of the Ben Jarofsky show. Just fucking up, you know? Oh, my God. Indeed, she gave me so much shit about that for so long. Oh, write me your radio show. Hey, why don't you tell that cheap radio station to pay its phone bills? <laughs> She never came on the podcast because by the time we started doing the podcast, she was pretty sick, but uh, she would have loved it. Her sense of humor would have fit right in. She'd be calling D white lightning. And she'd be saying things to him like, do you know who else calls from Alton? Do you know that Miles Davis comes from Alton? That's the kind of thing she would know. She'd say, where are you from? Alton. Oh, Miles Davis comes from Alton. It's just an amazing person. She never took herself too seriously. I got a theory about this. People who charge to the front of the pack at an early age have a tendency to have a greater sense of themselves. Think of Rahm Emanuel. But Karen, Karen Lewis had lived a long and productive and created life in relative anonymity before she burst into the spotlight as a union president. When I first met her years and years ago, she was a science teacher at Lane Tech, and she was helping her friend, my dear friend, drama coach Randy Bates, put on a school play. She was working the lights. How about that? That was introduced to me she was introduced to me as karen just karen the science teacher working the lights over the years she accumulated a lot of wisdom she was a master at detecting bullshit and that bullshit detector went off big time whenever she heard a mayor or a school ceo or an alderman or a governor or a school board member or pretty much anybody in Civic or corporate Chicago say, nothing matters more than the children. And she would say, if the children matter so much, how come you treat the people who teach them like shit? 
if the children matter so much, how can you divert tens of millions of dollars each year from the schools for your TIFs? She once gave me a big kiss, D, for writing TIF stories. How about that? <laughs> Nobody's ever kissed me for writing a TIF story before. Great job. Keep writing those TIF stories. Yeah, I don't think that'll happen again. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway. Chicago's always been a city where uh, people roll over and do what the mayor tells them. And that's the way it was with Mayor Rahm. He roared into the city in 2011, having been Obama's White House chief of staff, acted like he owned the city. He was the little mini emperor of the city. His word was law. Get in line. In 2011, Mayor Rahm got the city council to pass his stupid budget. 50 to nothing was the vote. 50 to nothing. You couldn't even get Alderman Scotty Waggis back to vote against it. They just lined up like little lemmings and did what the boss told them to do. And that's the budget where Rahm closed the mental health clinics in high crime areas, said he was saving money, but really was only saving a few nickels. He just wanted to show everybody how tough he was by picking on the weakest, most vulnerable people in the city of Chicago. But nothing matters more than the children, right? It was in that environment that Karen Lewis, recently elected as president of Chicago Teachers Union, dared to defy Rahm. He told her he was going to make teachers work more for less and that she was going to have to tell those teachers to fall in line and take it because he's the boss and she's the minion. And she said, fuck that. I'm a 57-year-old old woman. I can quit tomorrow, walk away, and live my life in retirement in Hawaii. I'm not going to shove shit down the throats of teachers and tell them it's pizza. And so she defied Mayor Rahm. She called him the murder mayor. She called him Mayor 1%. She led the teachers on a great strike, and Chicago's never seen anything like it. It was funny because I everybody knew where I stood on this. Everybody knew I loved Karen. All these nice little liberals on the north side be like, Ben, uh, does she have to be so mean? Does she have to swear so much? Oh, like Rom's allowed to throw around the F-bomb at everyone. But when a black woman does it, it's like, oh, Ben, can't the teachers get a better spokesperson? Meanwhile, all the politicians are watching. Almost all of them and they're eyeing her. Will she turn to a pillar of salt? They've never seen anybody speak up to a mayor like that. Certainly they never did. And they're all telling Rom, ugh. I completely disagree with her. And then they would tell me stuff like, Ben, there's other ways to get what you want. You got to play, play the game. Yeah, well, guess what? She won that fight. I like to think she speak. She spoke for the real Chicago. Not the Chicago you read in the editorial page, but the real city. People saw Rahm as the gangster that he was, even if they were too beaten down and alienated to vote. Poor Mayor Lori Lightfoot. No more 50 votes, nothing votes for her. Can blame Karen Lewis for that. I'd say Karen Lewis liberated this city. She said, the hell with that. The mayor's not the emperor, and this is a democracy. The last city uh, council budget vote was 29 to 21. Mayor Lightfoot was fortunate to get that 29. She lit up a cigar and drank some, what did she drink, bourbon? She drank scotch. No, she, delicious scotch and had a steak. She was so happy to pass that budget. A lot of those no votes came from aldermen like Matt Martin, Jeanette Taylor, Carlos Ramirez Rosa, real lefties. That's Karen's legacy. Vote your conscience, speak from your heart. Let the real Chicago be heard. I miss you, my friend, already. Great show, everybody. Stacey Davis-Gates. Who else would we have on this show? But Stacey Davis-Gates, uh, the day after Karen Lewis died, uh, Karen was Stacey's mentor. And so we'll be doing a lot of reflecting on the great life of Karen Lewis, the legacy she left. And, yeah, I may have turned to talk to two about the deal at the teacher's apparently struck with uh, Lori Lightfoot regarding going back to school and other stuff, but mostly Karen talk. She certainly deserves that. Before we do that though, the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois, the man, Karen Lewis, happily, proudly called white lightning with the news. Hey everybody. How's it going? I'm Dennis. Uh, let me make a quick note here before we get going. Uh, Mark today's show explicit. Okay. <laughs> a lot of cursing in that intro. Dude, I'm going to say something. 
I was channeling Karen and I held back. Okay. I held back. Okay. I was just like, I wrote it the way she would say it. And then usually when I'm reading my little, which, which I can barely read by the way, a lot of times, but when I'm reading it, I'll censor myself. I go, no, this is for Karen, man. I gotta let it go. That's how Karen would say it. Okay. Beep, 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 man. If she came on. <laughs> in the old days, I would. I wish we. D, how is your your reflexes gotten soft? Back in the old days, at that radio station whose name I can't remember, um, you were really quick in the draw when someone would drop the f bomb. Oh, you mean on uh, radio where you would get <laughs> fined? Yeah, believe it or not, you were like, Beep. whoa, whoa, whoa. But you kind of lost it here. You know what I mean? If someone like, do you think you could still hit it? What, don't you have like 10 seconds to push the button? Is that it? Well, there's uh, several options. You could do either 10, 20, or 30, but I don't want to radio nerd out here on everybody. No, but there's like how many seconds before someone hears it? Well, you have the option. 10, if you hit it once, 10, twice, 20, three times, 30. We're getting real nerdy here. <laughs> What if you just miss it? What if you're not in the room and it's up to me? <laughs> well, you get fired. Wait a minute. Is that what happened? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, anyway, the, the young man from Alton with the news. That's me. My name's Dennis. Let's find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. We begin in Chicago and the negotiations between Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot's Chicago Public Schools team and the Chicago Teachers Union continues. When we last left you on Friday, still no deal. The CPS made an offer, and the CTU was like, ah, almost, almost there. But negotiations have been negotiated, and after damn near a month, we have a deal? Both parties have agreed on a plan for teachers to return to their classrooms? Uh, almost! <laughs> we're like really close. Let's recap what happened while we were away. Sunday, February 7th, 5.12 p.m. The Chicago Sun-Times, Tommy Two-Joint Shuba, and Nadir, I may cover schools, but I still work on Sundays, Issa. It's <laughs> uh, funny. The Chicago uh, Teachers Union reviewed a potential agreement with Mayor Lori Lightfoot's administration to reopen schools for in-person learning and divert the city's second teacher strike in 15 months. Under the city's proposal, which granted the union many of its requests, no teacher or staff member would be required to return to work before being offered a vaccine, and the reopening of schools would be pushed back to March for elementary and middle school students. At a late morning news conference, an upbeat mayor said she was, quote, tremendously pleased to announce that at long last, the two sides appeared to have a deal. I'd play the audio, but it's kind of old news. So we're just going to read the quotes. Lightfoot said, quote, we are here to announce the very good news that our children will be returning to in-person learning this week. Uh, Lightfoot said, referring to preschool and special education students who would return on Thursday if the deal is approved. Lightfoot continued saying this agreement was about making sure that everyone in our school communities just aren't safe, but also that they feel safe. CPS CEO Janice Jackson said she was, quote, happy that we have a resolution and that we're moving forward. But the Chicago Teachers Union tweeted Sunday morning, however, that, quote, hey, well, they didn't put hey, but they. <laughs> no, <laughs> they should. They should have, though, right? It's like Ben Jarowski. <laughs> they said, quote, hey. Hey, come on, man. <laughs> we do not have an agreement with the Chicago yeah. Public Schools until its representative governing body takes yes. a vote. Yes. During a Zoom call later Sunday, CTU President Jesse Sharkey told members of the union that the proposal marks the, quote, end of the road in the lengthy bargaining process. Either members will vote to approve the deal or should prepare to, uh, to potentially be locked out of virtual classrooms and get ready to strike. And that brings us to Monday, February 8th. 9.27 p.m. The Chicago Sun-Times and the deer. Boy, I can't wait for spring break, Eason. Look, <laughs> guys, working so hard. Uh, plus, Tommy's two joints and not sharing the reefer when they're doing the stories together. You know, hey, come on, Tommy. <laughs> all right, you know, Nadir, we don't know if you smoke pot or not, all right? So don't go getting upset with us. All right. The Chicago come on, it's a Tommy, Tommy two joints joke. Sorry. <laughs> 
All right. The Sun-Times piece says the Chicago Teachers Union's governing body has voted to send the latest school reopening terms proposed by Chicago Public Schools to the union's 25,000 members for a vote to officially end the standoff with district officials. The union's House of Delegates voted with 85 percent approval, 526 in favor, 82 against and 12 abstentions to hold a full rank and file vote on the tentative deal, moving the nation's third largest school system one step closer to resumption of in-person learning for up to 67,000 students. Some some delegates were strongly opposed to the proposed reopening, and the House did not make a recommendation whether or not members should approve an agreement. Voting by the full membership will take place today. And, guys, I'm hitting F5 refresh and waiting for the updates, all right? Uh, The governing body Monday also issued a, quote, no confidence vote against Mayor Lori Lightfoot and CPS leadership. And, you know, I'd have to disagree there. Say what you want about the mayor, but she seems very confident to me, Ben. (laughs) I don't... I don't think the vote had to do with the mayor's confidence in herself. More like... uh, Well, to quote the... uh, One of the uh, characters in the great novel, The White Tiger, what a joke. There's nothing in that so-called agreement that couldn't have been uh, agreed to like three months ago if Mayor Lori Lightfoot had just deigned to meet with Jesse Sharp. Don't even have to meet with Stacey Davis case. I understand there's some some kind of weird thing. Just meet with with Jesse, you know, just emulate Chris Paul and the head of the NBA, Chris Paul, the uh, Players Association uh, president, meeting with his counterpart, with the league, you know, that's you could cut that deal. There's nothing in there. I mean, I'm just thinking the weird. This this is like a leftover, a remnant. Of what I was talking about that Karen Lewis dealt with. This notion in the city of Chicago, it's the mayor. The mayor is the center of the universe, and the mayor is the one who makes the orders, and we follow the orders. That's how we are taught in Chicago. That's what, that's what like the editorial boards and corporate Chicago and civic Chicago oh, shoving it down our throat. The mayor. So God help the mayor like reach out and listen to a teacher. <laughs> There's nothing in that agreement. Just common sense. I don't even want to go through that agreement. Just basic common sense. And by the way, D, I told this this is classic. Front page of the Tribune. Half of students in Illinois still are remote. Illinois. We're not talking Chicago. Many districts lack resources to reopen and Chicago deal on table to return to class. In other words, here's how it goes. We're in a pandemic. Let me remind you of that. They open the schools because kids have to be in schools and their parents are freaking out. And I know, yeah, I don't, come on. I'm not just, I'm not saying that learning on a computer is better than learning uh, uh, in a classroom, but we're in a pandemic. So they have to, uh, uh, they open the schools because parents want those kids to get back out in the uh, classrooms because parents have to work. I understand all that. But then there's like an outbreak. Boom, they close the schools. A couple of weeks, then they open the schools. You know, and they cl- this is what's been going on, not just in Chicago, but all around the world. Open schools, close the schools. Open the schools, close the schools. We're in a pandemic. But Chicago, it's like, We've decided we're opening the schools and you're going to shut up and go into those schools. You guys got to see the affidavits. Legal notices that the Chicago Board of Education wants teachers to sign if they deign uh, to claim they're too sick to go into schools. That's how they treat the teachers. You know, it hasn't changed all that much since Karen Lewis uh, stood up. The This city's fixation with powerful mayors is a little hard for me to understand. I just have never bought into it. All powerful mayor round whom the planets rotate. Oh, the mayor, our all wise, powerful leader. Whatever he says, whatever she says, gender doesn't matter, race doesn't matter. It's the mayor. Well, anyway, so I think the teachers will probably vote D uh, to confirm a quote unquote deal. And uh, schools, remember, these are just some schools. It's just. The elementary schools will reopen, and guess what? We're in a pandemic. They're going to close. I'm going to tell you that's happening right now because we are in a pandemic. They tell you we're in a pandemic when it comes to Super Bowl parties. Uh, Don't get together for a Super Bowl party. Just stay home alone. 
you don't want to spread the virus. But then they pretend as though, no pandemic, oh, what the heck, when it comes to opening schools. You know, it's, uh, I had a very uh, cynical person tell me the other day, D, that uh, so many parents are just so frustrated. You think you would think they would have a higher appreciation of school teachers. Talk about Northside parents. You know who I'm talking about. You'd think they'd have a higher appreciation of school teachers because you see these Northside parents losing their mind. They got to be home with their kids for six months. Get this kid out of the house. You'd think it would translate into liking teachers more. What a city we live in, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, I'm happy they reached the DLT. Happy for everyone involved, okay? What a joke. Could have had that deal in, I've lost track of time. We're in February now. Could have had that deal back in September. Just, hey, talk. Just give Jesse a call. You don't have to have 80 meetings with the HR department. A form of torture. And then they brag about it. I'll never get over this. We've had 80 meetings. Did you know that? 80 meetings. And all the reporters are dutifully writing it down. They have 80 meetings. And then when they're on the talk shows, there have been 80 meetings. That's how the radio guys. There have been 80 meetings. And like, whoa. Guys, you ever think it was a form of torture? It's not like something nice they're doing to the teachers. They're making them sit in a, a negotiating meeting. Have you guys ever been to one labor negotiating meeting? 80 of them with the HR guy reading from the manual? And then they brag about it. There have been over 80 meetings. Lori Lightfoot Face the Nation and the Face the Nation host was like, oh, 80 meetings. Oh, very impressive. What a mayor. What a city. Oh, 80 meetings. Oh, come on, teachers. 80 meetings? 80 meetings? Oh, my God. That's really reasonable Wait, by the eight mayor. Zero, eight zero. <laughs> And they go, well, Stacey Davis Gates, I got to ask you, 80 meetings? Come on now. <laughs> anyway, thank you. Thank you. You guys spent, what it be, months coming to an agreement you could have come to with one phone call. Hey, let's be logical and reasonable. Let's figure this out. Come on, Jesse Sharkey. I don't know if Jesse's a sports fan. Mayor Lori Lightwell, look at it. <laughs> Tease this. Uh, apparently, she's not a big basketball fan, but she's more of a football fan. So, they could, you know, they could have got together to watch a football game. So, oh, wait, wait 78, 79, 80. 80. We're talking about 80 <laughs> meetings. That's what we're doing. You know what? Holy cow. That's a early update. It could be up to 82. Oh. Yeah. Can we, Pat Whalen, if you're listening, could you do a little fact check for us on this one? Get back to me. Uh, is it 82 yet? <laughs> All right, we'll, so, go, we'll go ahead. 80 go ahead. meetings. I'm 80, 80. 80. Okay. 80 meetings. And the HR guy was there too. All right, we're going to keep you posted uh, with the latest as soon as it becomes available. Uh, will we? <laughs> 80 meetings. Wow, Chicagoans were like, Ben, there's been 80 meetings. It's just like, come on, tell those teachers to get in line, tell your little friends. You love them so much. 80 meetings, Ben. And keep listening to find out the update. <laughs> Today's show brought to you by the number 80. <laughs> keep listening to find out for the updates on all this. Uh, but, you know, there's a good chance that if you're listening on the download, you may already know the updates. Because you're from the future. <laughs> what the hell? All right, let's move on. More Chicago news and more news involving the mayor. New week, new person working under Mayor Lightfoot, turning in their resignation yes. to no longer work <laughs> under Mayor Lightfoot. Good afternoon, everyone. Well, good afternoon, Madam Mayor. <laughs> this comes from the Sun-Times. And Fran, if it's about Lori, I got the story, Spielman. Oh, Ooh, very good. <laughs> Mayor Lori Lightfoot is losing yet another key member of her cabinet. Family and Support Services Commissioner Lisa Morrison Butler announced her resignation Monday in an email to the 50 aldermen with whom she has worked so hard to combat Chicago's entrenched problem of homelessness. 
Uh, we have some quotes here uh, regarding Commissioner Lisa Morrison Butler. Uh, boy, I tell you, I never mentioned her on this show before. Ben, your thoughts? I don't, I, I don't know uh, Lisa Morrison Butler. And um, uh, I think the problem of homelessness uh, with the city of Chicago is, <laughs> is one that the city of Chicago wants to deal with by and large by just moving homeless people out of Chicago. That's generally how the city of Chicago deals with really difficult entrenched issues of poverty. Let's just move them. Get them to the suburbs. How about Iowa? Can we move everybody to Iowa? Uh, Minnesota sounds like a nice place to move people. So anyway, I, I shouldn't be so cynical. I don't know her. Uh, for all I know, she did a wonderful job. All right. Moving on here. Uh <laughs> We have some Aldermanic quotes here uh, regarding uh, the recent resignation of one Lisa Morrison Butler. First up, it's Alderman Pat Dow. Ben, of what board? Third. That is correct. <laughs> Pat Dow said, quote, it's a loss to the city. She was compassionate and fair. Whoever comes behind her has big shoes to fill. I could speak to her willingness to try new approaches to dealing with the homeless situation I have in a location in my ward. It's still problematic, but we were able to get two or three people into housing, which removed them from the streets. It's a challenge, but she was willing to try different ideas and find funding for them. Uh, we got another quote here. Housing Committee Chairman Harry Elsterman. He agreed. Mm. He said Morrison Butler is, quote, one of the shining stars at City Hall, leaving Lightfoot with a huge hole to fill. She has worked to help homeless people, children, senior citizens in a very tireless way. She really touched a lot of lives in Chicago with people who need it the most and did so always with the city council in a spirit of partnership. I can't say enough about how hardworking and what a great person she's been for the city of Chicago. All right, Ben, that's another Lightfoot administration member resigning. Her city council floor leader stepped down last week. Her attorney and a handful of others have resigned in the last few months. What's the dilly with the dally? I mean, it's clearly all their fault, right? Yes. Yes. Her mayor. I try to tell this to you all the time. All right, D. The mayor's the star in the firmament. She's the light. Ooh, like that. The light. That shines on the whole city. And before her, the last mayor was the light. He may have been a dimmer light than this light, but he was still the light. So get it right, okay? If someone quits, it's their fault, not the mayor's fault. If you can't work for the greatest mayor the city of Chicago's ever had, then don't take the job. Leave. All right? Hey, I'm, I'm speaking like a Chicagoan. And don't put ketchup on my hot dog and dibs. <laughs> Chicago. <laughs> And I don't know what it's like there. It sounds like it sounds like a, I, you know, D. What can I say? I've like I've been operating out of an attic for the last year or so. The notion, of, it, my like the people that I have to deal with in my work world consist of you and my editor. Uh, editor is at the reader. Really, just one editor. So it's like I don't know, man. I've been spoiled, but it just seems like like a. A bowl filled with piranhas or something. You know what I'm saying? City Hall. You know, like something goes wrong. Someone's got to be blamed. I don't know. Like, just think about this homeless. Guys, the city of Chicago committed $2.4 billion with a B property tax dollars for upscale housing on the South Loop and the North Side. So, like, doesn't seem like they have a big commitment to homelessness. All right, just saying. Just putting that out there. So I wouldn't pin anything on the what? What is it like? One staffer in charge of homeless? <laughs> oh, got it. There's like how many thousands of homeless people in the city of Chicago? They got one person working on it. So anyway, I think the city shows their priorities when it spent 1.3 billion on Lincoln Yards and. You know, what did, what did Pat Dow, Alderman, what woman Pat Dow said? Well, she worked, get a couple, some housing for us, a couple units of housing. Say no more. I, I, uh, I, hope, I wish her well. She, I noticed in the paper she worked for Rom. And, D, I'm just going to give you something right now. I'm going to say something. Hmm. I'm open-minded. I do not necessarily hold that against anybody if they work for Rahm Emanuel, okay? Just saying that. I'm open-minded. All right. Okay? Well, that's what you say at 1.36 p.m. on Tuesday, February 9th. <laughs> 
Let's see where we stand in an hour. <laughs> or five minutes. Hey, just because you work for Rom doesn't mean you're like him. You know, I mean, a lot. That'd be like saying everybody who's dumb enough to vote for him is like him. Chicagoans, you know, they were confused by that election. It's like, I don't know, Ben. Barack Obama has endorsed him. I don't know, Ben. He wears that sweater. I saw this commercial and it was like Rom Love. I don't know, Ben. It's just, I read about Garcia in the newspaper and it's very scary. I think I'll vote for Rom. He rode his bike around Lake Michigan. Really, a thousand miles. Come on, Chicago heads. You've done a heck of a job with your mayor. So I can't hold it against any Chicagoan who voted for Rahm Emanuel. Some of my best friends, D, voted for Rahm Emanuel. I think Monroe voted for Rahm Emanuel. I have to ask him about that when I see him tomorrow. Ben, what he, what he, you're a hippie. Get over that hippie stuff. When I was a little girl, I remember singing the song, This Little Light of Mine, I'm Gonna Let It Shine. We've said it's time to bring in the light. All right. And it's sure shining on all of us tonight. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Thank you very much. God bless you all, and God bless Chicago. That the audience was really kind of off on that way. I, you know, you haven't played that one in a while, D. But you, first of all, I, I give her credit. I forget the the, the rhyme. You know, uh, light and bright. I think there was a lot. Wow, I just got that. But the audience was a little off. She was going to let it shine. Let and the audience should be chanting back to her. I, I was at that. I was at her inauguration speech uh, before the pandemic. And it was uh, at the uh, DePaul Basketball Arena in the South Loop, which was built with public dollars. Supposedly it was, was going to be built with TIF dollars, but when all said and done, the TIF money that was earmarked for that project wound up being spent at Navy Pier. Huh, funny how that works. And yet Chicago cares so much about its children and its homeless people. We're going to spend $50 million on Navy Pier Taking the money from a program intended for blighted neighborhoods, even though Navy Pier is neither blighted nor a neighborhood. Back to you. Oh, and that was right after you voted for her. So, I'm, I mean, I remember you told me you got your I voted sticker signed by her, right? That was cool. You know what, D? Let it. Yeah, I, I'm vulnerable on that point. You just feel free. You know? Hey, I'm not running and hiding. I'm not like one of those. Bernie Epton voters in 1983 is a little rival for him. I voted for her. Yeah, I did, D. I voted for her. <laughs> oh, yeah, not my finest moment. Next thing you know, I'm going to be a real Chicagoan. A new ketchup on the hot dogs. Okay, you know, that's most of our listeners, right? Why are we trying to badmouth the majority of the people who listen? Not <laughs> on, a good guys. move. You got to know that ketchup on a hot dog thing is so dumb. Anyway. Mayor gave that speech, but everybody was a little off. I just noticed that. Come on. And you know, that was uh, the old Lord, the new Lord life who would have fired everybody there. You're not chanting right. I'm going to take your cars. I'm gonna, and everybody's like, wait, how am I going to get home from the like, I'm taking your cars. This chant is out of order. <laughs> Do you think Raylo? was chanting along Raymond Lopez alderman of the 15th ward he was on stage all the aldermen were there too they were right behind her she ripped them <laughs> these were the days of these corrupt deadbeats running anything are over <laughs> hi mom <laughs> she's talking about me hey and shut up and vote for my budgets <laughs> all okay. right we got one more lightfoot story hang tight frequent youtube live stream listener jay marie <laughs> Big Mayor Lori Lightfoot fan, Jay Marie. And you know, Ben, maybe our downstate Illinois friends of the right-wing persuasion are on to something. Maybe Chicago should be its own state, separate from the rest of Illinois. Because right now, our Chicago mayor and our Illinois governor, well, they really seem to be on two completely different pages. Big problems become big problems. <laughs> let small problems sit. Boy, I'd say, buddy. Where you been, dude? Oh, God, it's hilarious. We usually have to pry this guy away from Chicago, but now you've gone silent on this city. Hey, 
Did you finally try pork steak? <laughs> you like here's that downstate thing. pork steak? D, here's the thing. We discussed this, uh, by the way, uh, last uh, Tuesday on our show, our first Tuesday show. Gregory Pratt, excellent reporter for the Chicago Tribune, pointed out. Uh, I, I noted during the discussion that uh, J.P. Pritzker is notably silent on the whole issue of whether Chicago should open its public schools. You figure he weigh in with the biggest city in the in the state, with the largest public school system in the state. has got something to say about like an A and W in Alton. You know, let's. What about the public schools of Chicago? By the way, are there any A and Ws down in Alton? I just like the root beer place. Yeah, the root beer place. Man, those are those are all kind of gone now. There's a few like chains like uh, around the country, but no, no, there was never really uh, an A and W. I love A and W. Just thinking about that, I just love those. Things. You take the root beer, you put the ice cream in it. Anyway, you think you would have something to say about, but no. And Gregory Pratt put it out there. Was, uh, I kind of agree with him. Lord, life could be pretty sharp with those elbows. JP's like, uh-uh, not going there. I'm just going to pretend like the city of Chicago doesn't exist, even though I live there. <laughs> Schools, uh, Chicago, let me get back to you on that one. I'll get back to you on that one, okay? So, yeah, he's been pretty quiet on the old uh, school front, JB. By the way, for those who don't know, pork steak. Look it up online. Big downstate thing. You love pork steak. <laughs> Now, Ben, if we ever get Mayor Lightfoot on the program again, highly unlikely. <laughs> but if we do, uh, please, please refrain from any statewide Illinois trivia. I don't think she follows it that much. <laughs> and after we hear the following from the Chicago Sun-Times and Michael O'Brien, Ben, I think you'll agree that she is not a subscriber to CapitalFacts.com. All right, here we go. The headline reads... Lightfoot sends shockwaves with comments on high school basketball. Thousands of Chicago public schools, athletes, and coaches have been waiting for weeks to get the green light to play. They've watched as the rest of the state has started playing again. Yes, the rest of the state has started playing again. But they haven't been told when they can start or when they why they haven't started yet. In stepped Mayor Lightfoot, who apparently is unaware that the rest of the state is playing high school basketball and other sports right now. A reporter at a news conference asked Lightfoot why CPS hasn't started. The mayor's answer, quote, well, it's not really our call. Obviously, we're going to follow the guidance of the Illinois State Board of Education, but also the Illinois High School Association. We've been anxiously waiting for further guidance from them. We'll check your emails. All right. As in, uh, as, I've been there. I don't check my emails from time to time. As an unrepentant sports fan myself, I'd like to see kids get back. There's some loosening of the guidelines to let some non-contact sports happen. But as far as I know... Whew, we haven't seen anything that's specific to, for example, high school basketball. So I'd like to see us move in that direction. But the state really controls the play. No pun intended on that issue. Yeah, great joke, Mayor, but you're a little behind here. Uh, Governor Pritzker and the Illinois Department of uh, Public Health announced January 22nd that regions would be allowed to play basketball and other high, higher risk sports in phase four of the coronavirus protocols. On January 27th, the IHSA started the basketball season and announced Monday that CPS will be allowed to play basketball until March 20th, one week longer than the rest of the state. Oh, my God. There's, uh, this First of all, shout out to uh, Michael O'Brien, sports writer for uh, my beloved bright one, the Chicago Sun-Times Home Delivered. A uh, couple things. I saw this story today, D, and um, had a few thoughts. Number one, it's clear that Lori Lightfoot is not a regular listener uh, or a listener at all to the Ben Jarofsky show. Uh, just one specific discussed. portion. One specific portion. The portion about her, maybe? I don't know. The rest of it, I don't know. <laughs> well, we had a discussion or two about uh, basketball being back. We talked about how kind of weird it is to see basketball players uh, wearing masks because they, they're making them wear masks. The players have to wear masks. In fact, a picture uh, in today's Bright One uh, that illustrates the story. First of all, it shows uh, Mayor, Lori, Mayor Lori Lightfoot looking very glum and stern. And then there's a picture of a Notre Dame's Anthony Salas going out for a layup against Prospect last week in Niles. I'll show that to all our listeners on our camera. Oh, wait, we don't have one. Uh, and uh, I just want to say something. The guy from Prospect, dude, you got to put the mask over the nose. It's one of my pet peeves. My football coaches 
who wear the mask, but don't cover the nose. Anyway. So clearly she hasn't been listening to our show and she probably doesn't uh, read the sports page, you know, because they've been discussing the uh, resumption of uh, high school ball. Uh, and uh, I, I, my favorite part of the story is how nervous the coaches were. You know, a lot of coaches in the city of Chicago are essentially at will employees. This is why you have a union, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. And coaches are, are very precarious. They have a very precarious existence. Like some of them are security guards at a school or uh, some of them don't even work at literally at in for the school district. There's the basketball coaches, the one gig for the school district. So it's not like if they get fired, there's going to be someone looking out for them to question the decision of whoever fired them. It's gone. So people, the reporters are like, got any comment about Mayor Lori Lightfoot apparently not understanding that the basketball season could go on, insisting, by the way, get in that classroom right now. <laughs> Talking about how, how horrible it is for kids not to be in a classroom. But yet, unaware that she has the power right now to start that basketball season, make sure those guys wear masks. Didn't know that the coaches are like, um, uh, I'd rather not comment. Uh, I don't want to be fired. We just discussed all the people leaving City Hall. Well, what a what a what a warm and friendly place Chicago was. How open it is uh, to people expressing them. That's what I love about Karen Lewis. I'm coming back to Karen. Karen Lewis told it like it is. You know, when I met her, she was a public school teacher. She told it like it is. And, uh, but the coaches, they know it's not a democracy. This is like a uh, Loriocracy. And so uh, you say the wrong thing, you're gone. Oh, I'd rather not comment about that off the record. I'm sure. <laughs> I miss my uh, dear friend, Manny Whitecourt, coach at Roosevelt High School. One thing about Manny, that guy was never afraid to rip Mayor Daly. Mayor Daly was the mayor of the city of Chicago when uh, I was spending a lot of time with Roosevelt with Manny. He was critical of Mayor Daly, how he ran the public schools. Funny as all hell talking about him. It seemed in general, the gym teachers at any high school that I went to, I went to a lot of high schools uh, following basketball, the gym teachers always had the most to say. But again, they were tenured union employees. So they had a sense that their First Amendment protected right to free expression. As a public employee, you should not be fired from saying the mayor should know that the state has given her the green light to open basketball. You should not be fired and punished for that. Oh, choose not to comment. I'm sorry, I have really don't want to say anything like that because I'll be fired. <laughs> I'll be like, oh, that lady, it's no, the lawyer, Flessner. Remember Flessner, the lawyer at City Hall? <laughs> he has to be fired immediately. Oh, brother. What a city we live in, ladies and gentlemen. When I was a little girl. Okay, we heard that already. <laughs> Thank you. You said that already. I voted for her. I voted for her, day. Yes. Jay Marie, I did. I voted for her. Yes. All right. Now on to statewide news. Mayor, if you're listening, please keep listening. We're led to believe that this is when you tune out of the program. But in statewide <laughs> news, no public events scheduled for our Illinois governor, J.B. Pritzker. I'd love to win a Grammy. Who cares? <laughs> but hey, with no public events, what do you say we give an update on the state of the state Senate seat successor? We've been wondering for weeks who will replace Senator Heather Staines. Well, and I've been wondering for weeks. Heather Staines, what did you do? But we shall wonder no more because the state senator has a successor to her seat. Saturday, February 6th, 7.09 p.m. from the Chicago Sun-Times and Rachel Hinton. In a surprise move, Northside Democrats on Saturday chose a former policy director under Mayor Rahm Emanuel and deputy commissioner in the city's Department of Planning and Development to ascend to former Senator Heather Staines' seat. Mike Simmons, a lifelong resident of the district, was chosen by a group of Cook County Democratic Party committee people to serve out the remainder of Staines' term, garnering 67,516 weighted votes from members of the committee. He has never held office. Now, 
Also being considered for the seat, uh, the Senate gig was state rep and yes, dear friend of this program, Casey Kelly Cassidy. But sadly, Cassidy received 22,493 votes and the winner needed 45,006 votes. In a statement, Cassidy congratulated Simmons on his appointment and pledged to, quote, continue to be a relentless voice for our values in the Illinois House of Representatives on issues ranging from COVID relief to making sure communities are fairly are fairly represented in redistricting. So that's where we stood on Saturday. On to the latest Monday, February 8th. 9.03 p.m. The Chicago Sun-Times and Rachel Hinton, Northside Democrats, promised no backroom dealing in appointing a successor to former state senator Heather Staines, vowing the process would be open and transparent. But State Representative Kelly Cassidy said Monday that that was not the case, and her decision to not engage in those dealings may have been a key reason why she lost the chance to win the appointment herself. Uh, Cassidy went on to say, quote, I think that what it says is that we've got a long way to go to fix the culture and get people accustomed to doing things in a truly open manner. A deal that is supposedly high minded is still a backroom deal. Cassidy was eager to move up to the state Senate after nearly a decade in the House, declaring her interest not long after her ally Staines announced her decision to resign. In the appointment process, Cassidy, who also serves as the 49th Ward Democratic Committee person, had the third largest share of the weighted vote of the Democrats involved in making the appointment. One, I said last week that uh, uh, Kelly Cassidy would be joining us today uh, for an interview uh, four o'clock to be dropped later this week. I've not heard from her, so I'm hoping she's still uh, going to be on the show, uh, but she's not confirmed her appearance. So I just want to put that out there. Uh, and Dean, I also want to repeat something I said earlier in the show. I'm going to make it apply uh, to Michael Simmons, the um, uh, the newly selected state senator uh, from the seventh senatorial district on the north side of Chicago, just because. Just because Michael Simmons once worked from Rahm Emanuel does not in any way mean he's a bad person. All right, D? So stop being having those negative attitudes. No. I see him. I see them in your head. I can see that little negative attitude. All right. All right. And, you know, I'm sure her family's nice. I bet she did want to spend time. <laughs> Just because he worked in the planning department. I would say the planning department under Mayor Rahm may have been the worst department under Mayor Rahm. They're the ones who said, oh, I think it's a good idea to put a TIF uh, on one of the wealthiest communities, one of the most fastest gentrifying communities in the city, north side of Chicago. It's been $1.3 million on Lincoln Yards. That's the planning department. So just because he worked for the planning department, D, does not mean He's not going to be a good public service. So get that servant, get that out of your mind. All right. A lot of good people work for mayor on a lot of good people. So, uh, I congratulate him. Uh, and I confess, uh, I lost my bet. I didn't actually make a bet. Uh, I, but I, I kept saying if I could put money in Vegas, I'd bet a Kelly Cassidy winning this seat because uh, she is a committee woman from the 49th ward. And as such, it's, it's a weighted vote. Uh, and uh, cast by the committeemen from the, the wards uh, that fall in the district. So she had the second number of votes. Uh, only Harry Osterman, uh, Dennis's favorite alderman for the 48th ward, you know? had more votes. So I figure, oh, you know, Kelly's close to Osterman, the 48th ward. They're all part of that same little group. <clears throat> you know, she'll get the votes, but... Uh, Simmons did a good job, apparently, of working that, working those uh, committeemen, presenting his case to the committeemen, and he was selected. It's so funny. Uh, I thought for certain Kelly Cassidy would be the state center. I think I may have said that, D. So ordinarily what I would do is i go, uh, Dennis, uh, could you go back and review all the uh, shows, podcasts where I said Kelly would win and change it to say, I think uh, Michael Simmons will win. I've heard that he's real, <laughs> you know, make me look good. But what the hell? I'm not going to make Dennis do that. He wouldn't do it anyway. <laughs> so congratulations, Michael Simmons. Yes, he outmaneuvered Kelly Cassidy is pretty obvious. And uh, he convinced Harry Osterman uh, to uh, Terry Cosgrove, by the way, my dear friend, Terry Cosgrove, who will be a guest tomorrow, kind of predicted it. Kind of a TC really follows the stuff. 
he loves them both. He's like, I, I don't have a horse in this race. I love them all. They're all pro-choice, but I'm just saying, my sources tell me that Michael Simmons is really working the phones. So apparently he outmaneuvered Kelly Cassidy winning the support of the uh, committeemen, uh, particularly uh, the big uh, the big kahuna there, Harry Osterman, alderman of the 48th Ward. God, Harry Osterman's gotten a lot of attention today. He's been mentioned twice on the show. I think that may be the first time, you know, uh, that he's been mentioned uh, on the show in a long time. Kind of, sort of, maybe a little of an independent alderman, you know, not afraid to occasionally criticize the mayor. No care, Lewis, that's for sure. <laughs> anyway, congratulations, Michael Simmons. And Kelly, <clears throat> you're still one of my favorites. I think you're an outstanding legislator. Just Michael Simmons working those phones, uh, lined up to support. Uh, he emphasized the need for the North Side to uh, send a message of support for diversity. Uh, he's a black man. And I think that uh, apparently everything I've been reading in the newspaper, that was a very compelling argument. And uh, they didn't hold it against him, D, uh, that he supported Mayor Rahm. Although, truth be told, most of these Northside committeemen also supported Mayor Rahm. Oh, good so thing you like, weren't a part of that decision making. My God, be up all night. Person, I mean, I'm sure, I bet you that nobody even asked him this. Because only someone like me would go, dude, Mayor Rahm, for real? <laughs> but you see a lot of you got to understand about north side reps folks you just got to understand this back 10 years ago like when i was talking about when Kara lewis came to town man they were drinking that mayor rom kool-aid you know mayor rom pushed the whole party to the right and they were like going along with it oh yeah we got to cut pensions we got to close schools yes we do we have to uh, close mental health clinics we got to save money so we can give more money to developers that's what mayor ron wants to do and gosh darn it my constituents love him i was the north side of chicago d back in 2011 2012 when karen lewis dared how dare she dared to defy the mayor city was just dumbstruck they couldn't believe it and it tore writers go what's going on how dare those teachers the mayor it's the mayor's word in this city so i i can't really you know be too hard on all the committee men from the north side you know harry osterman or any of them because they all drank that kool-aid karen lewis liberated them to a certain degree as i said so it's a different age, different age. So, so nobody probably thought of asking him about his Rob connection. Go ahead. So congratulations, uh, Michael Simmons, I guess. I don't know how I feel about it. I really like Kelly Cassidy. Frank on the live stream chat. No, Simmons is not a Rom flunky. Stop it. We're trying to be <laughs> trying to be positive here, Frank. All right. God bless so- you, Frank. <laughs> Frank, Frank. Frank was there. He was there. He, he, he came to uh, uh, the hideout shows he, with, with uh, uh, Karen Lewis on the stage at the hideout with me and Mick. He remembers. There's like all the lefties in Chicago in that room. <laughs> That's, you can fit them all in in the back room at the hideout. Everybody else in the North say, look, I really like how Ron is closing schools in black neighborhoods, Ben, because the population is, I read this in the Tribune, population is falling. So it's really important to close the schools, Ben. Oh, okay. All right. And, um, so, so Frank remembers those days. Shout out to Frank. You're awesome. And hey, seriously, what'd you do, Heather Staines? Anything? Nothing? I don't know. Let us know. She wants to spend more time with her family. Would you stop that cynicism? Just like John Cullerton. Now stop it. So that's really it for the local news. Now, we do want to circle back a bit here. Vice President of the Chicago Teachers Union, one Stacey Davis Gates, will be joining us momentarily. And uh, if I can, uh, I'd like to break the fourth wall for a moment. Is that okay, Ben? Sure. Thank I don't you. know where you're going with this, but break it. Ben emailed me a recent Franz Spielman piece that he will be discussing with Stacey today. Apparently, our former Chicago mayor has weighed in on the recent loss of the great oh. Karen Lewis. Uh, ben, I'm going to grab Stacy right now, uh, but for those who may be unaware or new to the city, uh, give us a little backstory here and uh, tell us about the relationship between one Rahm Emanuel and Karen Lewis. Well, I'd love to uh, 
hear what Stacey has to say this about this as well, but I'll just speak uh, from my heart about what I know about this. There was an article uh, in today's bright one and everybody's saying nice things about Karen Lewis. That's generally what you do when someone passes, or if you can't say anything nice, you don't say anything at all. You don't weigh in. And this is the part that really gets me. I just wrote a column about this because uh, I, I was uh, really, uh, it was a rough day for me yesterday. I was just processing uh, the death of Karen Lewis and uh, what it meant to me. And I just remember how fierce the opposition was to Karen Lewis on so many sectors of the city, corporate Chicago, civic Chicago, north side of Chicago, you know, uh, the aldermen. Like, if you take a look at that picture, that famous picture of Karen Lewis on stage at the Auditorium Theater, everybody, all the teachers are wearing red before they went on their big march to City Hall. This is before they went on strike in the days building up to the strike. Very few aldermen had the guts to get on that stage with her. I think um, Bob Fioretti, let's give him a shout out. He was there. I think Scotty Wagensback was there. Nick Spazzato. Got to give a lot of love to Nick Spazzato. You know, he's right wing now, but when it comes to standing with teachers, he stood with the teachers. And I always have a little bit of love in my heart for Nick Spazzato on that point. Not a lot of them. Most of them were scared. They were afraid and worried about what Rom would do. Because Rom was determined to crush the teachers' union. And, um, and so, uh, sorry about that, D. Uh, and so it's just so interesting now to read uh, Rahm's version of history and, and how, yes, he was tough with Karen, but she was tough back. And they were friends and they got along and they learned from each other. And I'm like, man, dude, you're not being honest. You're not being honest. And, you know, I can, like, put up with it to a certain degree. But when it comes to, like, literally rewriting history so it serves your personal interest, it doesn't do us any good. And you say, Rahm Emanuel, that you love reading history and that you're a student of history. And you quote all the books that you've read or you at least cite them. If you haven't read them, you can't quote them. But, dude, come on, you're just rewriting this history. You were part of a, I don't know, neoliberal movement, pro-charter schools, privatize our public schools, open up charters, close schools, dilute the power of unions, movement that captivated so many Democrats in the, uh, what was it, the early teens and the late O's. Barack Obama signed onto that as well. It's part of the reason it's part of the reason you can trace that hostile attitude that so many Dems had to, to had to teach us. And you can actually trace that to Trump's victory in Wisconsin in 2016 and Michigan in 2016. You can make that connection. Didn't support teachers unions, didn't support public employees when uh, Scott Walker went at him. Guess what? Went after them. Guess what? Donald Trump wound up winning Wisconsin. So it, politically, it was a stupid move. Educationally, it was a stupid move. And now it's dishonest to pretend it was any other way. Oh, no, it was just hardball negotiations. No, never saw you negotiate that hard with a developer who wanted uh, had his paw out looking for TIF money. Never saw you negotiate that hard with a big-time corporation that was looking to move to Chicago and uh, was, was ushered in. Certainly didn't see you... Uh, Negotiating that hard with Amazon. Oh my God, Amazon was talking about coming to Chicago. You couldn't throw enough billions of dollars at them. So this rewriting of history, because you see that it was a bad movie. Listen, you gotta be, it's better to be honest, in my humble opinion, than to be right. So you were wrong. You, you made a decision to sign on to the charter school movement, to the bash the teachers union movement, to privatize public schools movement, close schools to show how tough you are. You, you signed on to that. And you got the reputation as mayor 1%. And then combine that with concealing the evidence of Laquan McDonald's murder, you're now a pariah and democratic circles. You couldn't even get Joe Biden to put you on his, in his cabinet, even though you pretty much begged him to do it. So now you want to like rewrite history. I mean, I would, I would have more what respect for you if you said, you know what? I was wrong 
And Karen Lewis helped me realize I was wrong by kicking my booty in that 2012 teacher strike. I would have more respect for you if you're just honest about it. I'm honest about voting for Lori Lightfoot. Okay, you know, we, no one's perfect around here. Although I still say D. I, having said, I still vote for Aurora Tony program. I'm just saying. Sorry, Jay Marie. So, I don't know. I, I read that. I was just shaking my head. And this whole notion that... Uh, uh, that he and Karen respected each other. I'd love to hear what Stacey Davis Gates has to say about that because uh, Rahm Emanuel is really uh, disrespectful, not just to Karen Lewis, but to the Chicago Teachers Union, to public service employees throughout the city of Chicago, throughout his tenure. And he never owned up to that. That cockamamie commercial with the sweater. I don't know if anybody remembers that one. Yeah. Maybe I'm a little rough because I just believe in you so much. That's like a that's like a MAGA apology. Yeah, I smack you around Chicago, but because I love you so much. It's tough love. It's Rom love. And he put the sweater on. And he got reelected. He beat uh, Chewy Garcia, largely because Barack Obama endorsed him. So I don't know, D. Rewriting a history is uh, a little tough for me to take when I read Rom going on and on. That's part. Of, I guess he's trying to rehabilitate himself too. You know. Well, he's yeah. Get the- he's trying to rehabilitate. He's trying to rehabilitate himself. Uh, I'm wondering what Stacey Davis Gates has to say. I actually pulled a few strings behind the scenes, Ben. Let's see what Rom has to say. I got him on the line here. Mayor Rahm Emanuel, are you there? Oh, hello. Hello. Okay, he hung up. He's gone. I had him. I had him. Do you think Mayor Rahm knows that basketball uh, is currently allowed in high school? Uh, high school basketball is currently allowed in the state of Illinois. Do you think Rahm uh, knows that? By the way, and if Chicago were a separate state, here's the question I have for you. If Chicago were a separate state, would Lori Lightfoot be the mayor and the governor? Would she be both? Maybe she would turn the governor into like an appointed position, like a school board member. Would now appoint the mayor will appoint the governor. <laughs> All right, everybody, we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, Vice President of the Chicago Teachers Union, one Stacy Davis Gates, would she become the governor? We're going to find out. I don't know. We're going to talk with Stacy Davis Gates in moments. Don't go anywhere. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show. We are live from my apartment and his attic. <laughs> 